Hey, chaps, happy Wednesday. A wonderful spring spring day. Went to the auction this morning. And uh, it was a great metaphor for life. It was packed. There was tons of stuff. Uh, but most of it was junk and overwhelming, so we left early. Um, I did get a sweet Weber grill for $9. Um, but it was a great metaphor, you know, this thing of a lot of people have no idea of their own identity, their own uh, value. DBG, how's it, brother? Uh, it's good to have all you chaps on. You know, a lot of guys, when uh, it's one of the red pill bro science guys, um, or uh, what do you call it, day game, game guys or whatever, but his thing is uh, men have to create value. Women have to protect their value. And uh, Rob, how's brother? And I was just thinking about that today, you know, walking the way this auction is set up. Uh, people bring their, their things they want to sell, you know, household goods, equipment, tools, machinery, whatever. And they lay it out on this huge, big cement apron. And... Um, there's a, you know, some, some, some things are incredibly valuable and then there's just, you know, trash. And so with this whole thing of, of boundaries, king energy, negotiation, the key to negotiation is finding the value point. John Terry has brother. It's finding the value point of what are we negotiating for? You know, so, so for me, this thing of, Am I a valuable man? Am I, and that's why that, that saying goes, men have to create their value, right? So men are born worthless in essence. Men are born, uh, you know, just these cute little, cute little boys. Haha, <laughs> so cute. Uh, but by the time we get to about, you know, 13, if you aren't starting uh, to create some form of value or bring value, uh, you start getting really annoying. You know, and there's boys who who everyone is just annoyed by because they, they're effectively girls because they don't have any value. They're not bringing value. They're not creating value. Um, and then we get to 18 and we finish school. And uh, what do you want to do or be? And we, we're pretty much useless to the workforce if, if we haven't been taught by a high-value father. You know, there's a few ways of, of getting status, you know, obviously wealth, you know, being born into wealth, you're high status from, from the get go, um, or good, you know, to be good looking or to, to have a good physique or to be well-spoken and, and charismatic. It's, you know, these are all things that, that some men have a higher status from the beginning, a higher value, if you want to call it that. Right. But there comes a time when, when boys stop becoming cute and, and we have to start really contributing. You know, we have to, that's where you get all these, these trust fund kids who, you know, you're fine financially, but, but you have no value to give to life and no one respects you. And that's what they're seeking, right? They're, they're seeking love. They're seeking honor. They're seeking respect from men who they know are higher value than them, even though they have less money than them because they don't have self-worth, which is brought by achieving, by by creating, by building, by doing, you know, even, you know, even for my life, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy hitting the books and reading and uh, studying, but you don't feel the same as if you've gone out and cut the grass, you go out and cut the grass and you're like, yeah, felt good. Like I felt great. I've done something measurable, something achievable. And so for men, we, we, we're on this path in, in intrinsically our natural desires know this that we have to start building we have to start achieving we have to start ruling you know and and, and so we start building value right we start we start building friendships and, and alliances uh, we start um you know trying to get the highest uh, value girl that we can secure uh or we try uh you know start getting the best economic engine possible that we can we can get into and so we start building value. You know, sexual market value is is a a, a great indicator or a great um, tool to look at this through of of who do women want to marry? 
you know, men who are powerful, wealthy, good looking, all of this stuff. And it's like, there's different measures, but you can offset, you know, the, the things you're deficient in by being better in, in something else, you know? So for instance, uh, if you're a short guy, cause oh, girls want a guy who's tall. It's like, well, I've got a million bucks. Take that six foot douche. And girls are like, yeah, he's five foot, but he's got a million bucks. Like, you know, that's, that is these trade-offs, these negotiations that happen when you have value. And there's also timely, uh, timely values, you know? So there's, there's things that are only a value for a certain period of time, you know? So me, um, take, take ladies, for instance. So ladies with their, their, their sexual market value, they at 16 years old are at their highest market value. And it's probably from 16 to like 23, right? Highest market value. So that's your window of time for using well, for negotiating well, that value. After that, your value declines. And then, um, and interestingly enough, your value can increase. Actually, if a girl marries well, marries a man and becomes a, a phenomenal help meet, right? Because that's, that's the, the, the way to increase your, your value in a hierarchy. A, a lady's value in a hierarchy is pegged to the man in her life. If she's unmarried, her, her status is pegged to her dad or her brothers. If she's married, her status is pegged to her husband or her sons right? So, so as a lady, your status, your value strategy is to how do I help my husband's status rocket? How do I send him to the moon, right? How do I send my sons to the moon? That's, that should be your thinking as a helpmeet, right? And so that woman, even though you're 35, you've got stretch marks from children, you're, you're not as hot as the 16-year-old, you're higher value because your husband's like, yeah, this lady's the best helpmeet I could ever have. She's she treats me like a king, and uh, and she's right or die. Like she's she's pegged to his value, so she's a high value lady, you know. And and even there's you can tell that as well, you know. If you've been around these these older ladies who physically they've they've got nothing on sixteen year old girls, but it's like wow, she's actually very attractive. She's very valuable, and so there's there's this desire for negotiation in men that are like. I want a high value woman in my life. You know, that's where you get all these crazy, all these crazy stories in, in the past of like a 18 year old, uh, an 18 year old prince or king marrying a 31 year old, 32 year old divorcee uh, princess or, or queen. You know, that happened with, um, with one of the British Kings. I think it was King, was it Cordelion? Lyon? The, the lion, Richard, the Lionheart. He was French, believe it or not. Um, I think he, he was this 18-year-old burly strapping manhunk of burning love and desire who he walked into the courts of the French king to because he was at that stage as the Duke of Normandy um, subject to the French king. But the French king was a dandy. He was a little puff. And his wife, uh, who was 30-something odd at the time, had children with the guy and everything the queen, the French queen, she was like, this 18 year old's hot and passionate. And it's a, it's a young David. And so they jumped each other's bones and she left uh, the French king and chose to become uh, the, the helpmeet of this 18 year old upstart with less status, you know, but, but, and he was drawn to her high status. She was obviously very good politically. She was very, very helpful to him becoming a, uh, in fact, one of the greatest kings in, in English history. So it's a fascinating thing there, negotiation of, of sexual market value. DVG, even biologically, women are born with all of the eggs they will ever produce. Men produce seed daily and the quality of it goes up and down with the quality of their food, exercise and achievements. Yeah, that's it, man. We are, we are a, a man is a barometer or a, is that what, a thermostat? No, what do you call the thing that measures temperature? Thermometer. We are a thermometer of our own achievement and build, you know, we can, we can be zero today and tomorrow we can be, you know, top of the pile by an achievement. You know, the, the, the classic case, um, is someone being a starving artist or a starving author, uh, and his book gets a deal and boom, tomorrow overnight, he's, he's made it, you know, and that makes 40 years, 60 years of struggle irrelevant because he's now king. 
you know, he's, he's made it. Um, and, and that's the, that's the paradox of masculinity is this, you know, David in the desert, you know, we, we can be a nobody overnight. You can be somebody, nobody, somebody, nobody. And, and that's a great, great humility, you know, of being Lord, whatever it has, I'm still going to be a King and I'm going to treat whatever I have, uh, in a kingly way and be, be based on high status regardless of my circumstances. And, and that often, those type of men often end up straight back up again because they never lost the high status identity. Um, you know, so it's that whole thing of, of take him a, a wealthy man's money away from him and uh, give him, a, give him a, a, a fresh start and he'll be wealthy again because it's not the money that made him wealthy. It's the, it's the identity and, and the talents and the, what he knows, the wisdom uh, that got him this. So he, you know, oh, I lost everything. I went bankrupt. Well, start again. Very cool. Uh, Sarah was hot enough to still be wanted by kings because of her her SMB of being married to Abraham. Exactly. Um, Richard the Lionheart is now officially South African. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be something. Lions are South African. You never know. Maybe that's. Maybe that's it. He just wanted to grill. So I wanted to get onto this thing of, um, John Terry, can you find high value women in the city where I live? They all seem to be hardcore liberals. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with women guys. They, they are engineered by God to take leadership. They're engineered to be helpmeets. They're not engineered to be patriarchs, to be captains to be kings, right? They want a king to say, this is where we're going and I'm going there. And they'll, they'll shit test, right? They'll, they'll be like, oh, we don't really want to do this. Da, da, da. And if the guy folds, then it's like, yeah, he's not the one I wanted. But if the guy's like, no, and I'm not taking you with me, I don't care. I'm going She's like, take me with you. You know, it's, it's the whole thing of, of women fill the container they are given. Right. So if it's a strong father, a good father, you're going to have a very well brought up young lady because she fills that container. And so it is with the city, right? The city, the patriarchy, the culture, the institutions, the media, the academia, the church, this crazy urbanized Tim Keller church creates a container for women that they are to be worshipped, that if they're upset, we need to appease them, uh, that if they... Uh, if they're they're single, they're strong and they're boss babes and all this stuff. That's the container that they are put in, and that's what they fill. So it's it's to get away from from hating women because of what container they're in. So what I would suggest is finding a young lady who hasn't yet been irredeemably branded or irredeemably molded, right? So you don't want um, a lady with you know, multiple sexual partners and multiple abuses and multiple crazy, you know, you, so find a young lady and then lead her, you know, it's even in, in my marriage, like my wife loves the Lord with all her heart. She's, she sought the Lord with all her heart. Didn't have any boyfriends before me, never kissed a guy before me. Um, even she was brought up in a liberal frame in a feminist, uh, container, you know? And so, so for us, and I was brought up in a liberal frame in a feminist container, a lot of guys fill the container they were given, you know? And so both of us, my wife and I are on this journey of learning me how to be masculine, how to set a frame, how to have an identity of being a king and leading because my mom was the oppressive, uh, upset, angry lady that I would appease and be afraid of. Right. And so for me, it's like, it's very easy. And I'm also a very laid back guy. I'm very laid back personality. I'm happy to, to, uh, just let other guys, be the big shots and I'll just, I'll just go be a lone wolf and, and do my own thing. But I've had to learn to become assertive, to make a decision, uh, to, to give direction because marriage is not a partnership. Marriage is not, you have a vote. I have a vote. You decide one thing. I'll decide one thing. What do you want? Well, what do you want? And, and we fall into that frame, right? That, that's our upbringing. And we constantly have to be repenting and resetting and readjusting back to I'm masculine. I'm a king. She's feminine. She's a queen. I'm 
setting direction. I'm setting mission. I've got a work to do. She's my helpmeet. She's my, my helper in the garden. And so, um, let me just close the door for us. My wife is on the phone as we speak. And so we're constantly getting to this place of course correction back into an identity of masculinity, back into an identity um, of femininity. And what does that look like uh, in a marriage of being union of one flesh? Um, as one flesh, I'm the head. I'm the head of this uh, marriage. So, so just to encourage you, um, John, in the city, it's there are going to be good girls. There's going to be good girls with, with look for strong. Okay, that's it. Stop looking for the girls. Uh, I don't want to say that. Look for the girls. That's fine. Meet her father, meet her brothers. Like if it's strong men, she's probably going to be a protected woman. And then look young. You know, once you, I was very fortunate in my wife that, you know, she, she didn't have sex with a whole bunch of other guys and she didn't do the whole college experience. That's it. Of Young ladies should be avoiding college. You know, college is just a pump and dump factory of go get drunk and, and sleep with as many guys as possible and become a boss babe. Like it's literally a feminist indoctrination center for girls. Like don't send your daughters to college. Uh, men don't find your wives at college. Uh, and I say that's a big generalization. There's exceptions, but if, if you have to say you're the exception, you're not the exception. Alrighty. KR, places to find good women in the city, Orthodox churches, Latin Mass Roman Catholic Church, Reformed churches with terrible websites, and no A29, 9M, uh, X29, 9M affiliations. Yeah, um, that's it. You know, there's, it's where are there strong men? And even in, even in normie, liberal framed churches, there's going to be a pissed off dad, strong man sitting in the pews, disagreeing with the pastor, and just being like, man, if this is my lot in life, Lord, I, I need a place to go because I'm a faithful man. And he's probably going to have beautiful daughters. Make friends with that man. Uh, word of mouth communities are best pre-college age girls are prime for finding partners exactly and that's it, eh, chaps not to fall into the frame of the red pull migtail guys of like all girls are just out to uh break hearts and be feminists and stuff like the desire is natural the desire is 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 natural to all girls to be married have children and be a homemaker i promise you right now 99 percent of every girl who 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 is, is born in America right now, wants to be a homemaker, mom, wife, to a high value guy. And then they're conditioned their whole life by this crazy propaganda and media and education system. And even then, if you offer it to them, they're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and there's going to be troubles. There's going to be teething problems of getting it. You know, the, the Bible says very clearly, older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands, how to keep their homes and, and discipline their children and, and all that. And we've lost that inheritance. We've lost that, that technology, um, you know, so, so it's to not fault these young ladies for not having that discipleship, you know? And it, so it's like something that, that my wife and I are, are having to stumble through together. Cause, and I never had the discipleship to be a man. You know, the most discipleship I had on, on manliness was, was uh, Mark Driscoll shouting through podcasts, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and then a bunch of, uh, red pill, MGTOW, bro science day game guys, right? Because there's this, there's this lack of, you know, young guys, we want to go to church to, to hear talking straight talk on three things, money. How do I become rich honor? How do I get honor and, and become high status and sex? How do I get a hot babe and have good sex. Like that's the, that's the, the, those are the three topics on every guy's mind, you know? So you might as well preach about that all day long. Here's what the Bible says. Here's how we take those desires and discipline them. Here's how we achieve those desires in God, humility and fear of the Lord. You know, there's, it's great. Praise God. Getting riled up. Andrew Quinn, if women didn't follow the conditioning and ideas of the tribe, being outcast would mean death for her and her offspring. This conditioning is in their DNA. Hence why they follow 
Exactly. Popular liberal culture. Strong men need to lead women to create strong families. The state hates this. Exactly, man. That's it. God designed women to follow the leader. So you just need to be the strongest leader there. You know, that's, they will find the hole in the container. That's, that's the whole thing of, of when they are upset and when they push back on boundaries and all the stuff, it's like, it's, are you who you say you are? Are you firm on what you have said? This is where we're going. Cause if you fold, she's actually done you, she's doing you a great service, right? And, and we're in a civilizational sized shit test right now of, of angry woman everywhere, angry woman just shrieking and being upset and how dare you and uh, and I hate you and all the stuff. And all the men have to say is, no, this is what we're doing. No, this is what we're doing. No, this is what we're doing. And it's like, well, well, I hate you. It's like, okay, that's where I'm going. You know, instead we're like, oh, please love me. Please like me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What can I do? I'll, I'll do anything for you. And it's like, eh, yeah, eh. DVG. That's why they must be continuously shepherded by their husbands and older women. Yep. They must be led by strong men. Strong men must love their women. That's it. And us young men need to be shepherded by older men, you know, because older men can see through the guiles of hot young ladies uh, being upset. You know, so the old man can be like, dude, you're being soy, like toughen up, be the man, lead the way. I need this myself, you know, and, and that's why it's important to have a strong male friendship and, and strong male fathership. It's to, it's to give us a little tap on the shoulder and be like, buddy, you're the king, you're the head, lead. Stop pushing responsibility onto your wives. Stop pushing decision-making onto your wives. Stop pushing um, masculine role onto your wives. Alrighty. The whole point of where I was getting to today, uh, talking about negotiation. This is great. I, I'm glad we, we opened with sexual market value because I feel like it's the most applicable, personal, practical, uh, metaphor for value and for value trading, negotiating. And chaps, we've got to see ourselves as high value. You know, you see a lot of guys who that's a fun, a fun thing my wife and I like to do. We like to, we like to look at couples and a lot of couples, you're like, yeah, perfect fit makes sense. Like, you know, pretty, pretty equal market value, uh, pretty, pretty good trade. And you look at other couples and you're like, wow, like she doesn't know she's beautiful, <laughs> you know, or he doesn't know he's high status, you know, it's like, how did that trade happen? Like, was she a late bloomer and, and like all of a sudden became beautiful or like, was he, you know, he must be like as confident, like every zoo is a petting zoo when you're that confident, you know, there's, there must be some hidden attribute to this guy that he's got such a, a hot wife or whatever, you know, it's, it's fun to, to see the trade, the negotiation that goes on. Uh, and it's the same for, for divorces and, and uh, bad marriages. There's somehow been a, there's been a, a, a slipping in the value of trade. Same with people leaving organizations, leaving churches, leaving businesses. Um, you know, when people say like, oh, you know, uh, whenever you see someone getting like asked to leave a place and they'll give a statement and they'll be like, yeah, you know, just moving on to something new, just time for a new, time for a new um, adventure or a new blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you didn't like it anymore. You weren't getting what you thought was a fair trade or they didn't like you anymore. And they didn't think they were getting a fair trade. You know, there's, there's people who work phenomenally well together for their whole careers. And, you know, there's a great question um, in values elicitation where they say, what would make, you know, if you're really disgruntled at a company or a church or, or, or a marriage, uh, whatever, but, the, but, but some, you could, someone could say to you, you could ask yourself, what would make me stay? Like what, if, if something changed, what, what, what could change that would make me stay? And it's like an extra 40 grand would, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to stay. And it's like, okay, so, so if they gave you 40 grand, you'd be happy to stay. Yeah, yeah I'd be happy to stay. So it's like, there's this, like that, is that the real issue? Is that the real issue that is is making you unhappy or, or ungrateful? And it's like, you know, you can get to that place of starting to negotiate with your own values, right? Of I feel I'm worth more 
or I feel like I'm not appreciated or I feel like I'm not uh, able to contribute or, you know, there's these, there's these things that are, there, it's a negotiation issue, right? Because life is a negotiation. It's, it's constant. It never ends. There's this, you can't just set it and forget it. We, we are constantly building in value or, or declining in value or, you know, getting great uh, moments of in, insane value or, or depreciation. So um, Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And this whole, whole concept of a city with walls, why does a city have walls? Is to protect what's inside the walls. And so us, uh, us young soy boys who are, are raised to be kind and nice um, and in a very gynocentric world, we are taught to not have boundaries. We are taught to not exclude people, especially ladies, from our value. You know, so, so for instance, I had uh, a lot of, of trouble saying no to people growing up, right? If someone wanted something from, you know, one of my toys, like, you know, you're not allowed to say no. Share, share, give them the toy. And so you're like, oh, I, I have to give the thing or I, I'm punished, you know? And then, um, and then as Christians, we're told, you know, just, just surrender, just whatever other people want, let them walk all over you, be nice, be kind. And so there's never, there's never a celebration of young men learning to not only build their city, build their wealth, their value, but also build walls around that value. And a wall is the ability to say no. It's the ability to kick someone out and close the door. It's the ability to hold out when other people are making demands. It's the ability to with, withhold, uh, to withstand siege. And that's what we're seeing in our society today is men, grown men, 40, 50, 60-year-old men, wealthy, political connections, big churches, and they are not able to even withstand the one upset lady, one upset uh, journalist, one upset email. It's because their walls are broken down. It's, it's because they don't, they, they don't have the ability to close the gates and say no. And it's like, well, well then, well then we'll never come back again. That's fine. I can withstand. I've got all I need right here. And it's like, well, well, we'll, we'll kick you out. That's fine. You need me more than I need you. You know, if we had that mindset of I'm Abraham, of I'm David, and they kick me out of a church, kick me out of a political group, kick me out of a business. It's like they need me more than I need them. God is my provider. God is my protector. Not this business, not this church, not this political party, not this whatever we are beholden to because we're petrified of being ejected. That's a very feminine trait, right? Is the ejection, like we've just said there, this DNA of, of if, if a woman is ejected from the tribe, she dies, right? But if a man is ejected from the tribe, oh, that's why the mafia hunts kids down and kills them, right? If you kill someone's dad, the, the mafia, if they kill a man in a family, they know they have to finish the job and kill every other man in the family. Because if it's not enough to just kill the, the, the one guy in the family. The family gets ejected. Well, now you've got three young ninos growing up wanting to avenge the death of their father. And that's what men are. We are kings. We create our own tribes. People come around us and we build. And we build value and we put walls around things. And then we go and destroy or overtake or conquer. And so for men, being kicked out. So, so if we don't get kicked out the tribe. We are part of the hierarchy and we have to abide by the hierarchy and, and build the slow, long march up the hierarchy. But if a man is kicked out, immediate, immediate, it's what Donald says, right? He says, no, uh, he says, bad news is good news. Any news is good news, right? Any promotion is good promotion. Why? If you're kicked out of group, infamy. What is infamy? It's reverse status, right? It's still status. It's this thing of, Oh my gosh, he was dangerous enough to be a, uh, a threat to the hierarchy, right? Boom, he's kicked out, immediate elevation, and now people are drawn to him because he's dangerous, right? This, this thing of value building. 
So whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And, and that's another, another thing, rule of your own spirit. So one of our, our issues is this incredible like joy, sadness, joy, sadness that is attached to either our wife or our friends or our group or our business or our results. And so you see that with David, right? He gets ejected and it's like, you can't be downcast. It says, it says about him that, you know, he's out in the desert. They form a fighting force. They're going and raiding places. And uh, his, their home fortress is, uh, is conquered and, and all their wives and stuff are taken. And so everyone's downcast. Everyone's broken and angry and bitter. And they actually want to turn on David. And it says about David, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord, right? He, he didn't give in to what everyone else, that's king energy, this thing of ruling of your own spirit, because our own spirits are attached and they want to be downcast. They want to give in. They want to be enslaved to the circumstances. And it's like, nope, encourage yourself in the Lord. I am a king. I have rule of my own spirit. And that's what happens when you see these guys. It was really great. Actually, on, on Twitter today, I saw one of these Manosphere influencer guys offer a young lady, a product of his to solve one of her problems. He's like, here's my course, buy my course or affiliate program or whatever. And she was like, no, thanks. And immediately everything within him was like, ah, I've been rejected and fight and shame the girl. And I was just like, dude, rule your spirit, man. Like just, just bow out gracefully and care. like nice shot. Bow out brother. You're fighting, you're fighting a girl. Well, you're embarrassed and you're insecure. Uh, and you're 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 trying to regather your spirit again. So it's really funny to see that in our own lives and be like, wow, like I need to build up my walls of protecting value. So when it comes to to walls again, Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah is a great example. He's building a wall around Jerusalem getting getting things ready and and the dude has urgency he knows at any moment they could be attacked at any moment uh all of their work could be in vain and so this dude is building and he's going hard and he, he so he knows there's a threat he's building walls and so his enemy is constantly like hey man come down and have a feast with us hey man like come and meet with us like let's chat let's waste time let's waste time so one of the things for us as men is understanding how how there's a lot of good people maybe even higher status people than us who invite us, who distract us, who take our attention. And we, sh because we don't have boundaries, we're like, okay, I'll, I'll come to this meeting. Okay. I'll do this program. Okay. I'll, I'll take on this workload. Okay. I'll, you know, and, and we just, we're, we're, we're blown around by other people's demands when actually what is it that God has put on our heart to do? What is it that God has put, you know, yesterday we spoke about domains. You know, what is your domain? Your, is it ministry, uh, economy, media, or governance? Like what domain are we going hard at? What's our talent and our passion that we want to work at? Uh, what does the, the Lord want us to do on earth? Like we've each of us have got something that is our thing that we're building. And we're building, it's valuable, and we should be building walls around it. So we, we should be gatekeeping our own time. And that's by saying no to people, right? And we have this incredible FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's like that comes from us not believing that we're valuable, us not believing that God sees us and directs our steps. And we're like, if I say no to this guy, God could sideline me. And then I'm sidelined for the rest of my life. And it's like, no, I'm God's son. I'm a king. Uh, if, uh, if this is something I really want to do, there'll be an opportunity in the future. If not, so be it. Like, but I, I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. And from that place, you have the opportunity to give value. You know, I, I often think of it this way with, with like Twitter followers, right? If you go and follow 20,000 people, um, you're diluting your, 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 your diluting your newsfeed, right? There's just no ways you can keep up with all this stuff. But if you follow 20 people, your attention is that much more valuable, right? And your follow means something more, right? Because you're like, no, I'm not just beholden to anybody who comes along and like, oh yeah, like, 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 follow, 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 follow. It's like, no, no, no. I like this and I can give it my attention and I can build deeper. 
I like this. And then, sorry, like, that's nice that I like that. Like, no, like I would in, you know, in any other circumstance would love to come, but sorry, like boundaries, value, right? We have to get this, this identity thing down. Alrighty, let me uh, quickly go through here. So <clears throat> DVG, um, Abram and David created their worlds. They didn't seek belonging. That's what made them able to succeed, even living and working with Canaanites or Philistines. Yep. The most dangerous lions are the bands of roving lions previously kicked out of the pride. Yeah. Rob, kinsman redeemers. Andrew, Quinn, so true. If you don't have a plan, you become someone else's plan. John Terry, sorry, bro, has got a dip. Cheers, John Terry. Yeah, so, you know, uh, Rob, Isaiah's mission was to the remnants and not to the masses. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's it, chaps. It all comes down to this: own, your own, your own just peace with God, right? If I don't have peace with God, I'm going to be constantly in comparison with other men and insecurity and trying to follow the latest trend and follow the latest thing in case I miss out. But there comes this thing of like, God, this is my passion. This is what I love. This is what I want to do. And then God whispers in our ear, great. It's what I made you to do. Like, go for it, brother. You know, go for it, son. Um, and so for us, we, we are creators. And, and just to hit on that thing of belonging, DVG, that you were saying there, with Abram and, da and David created their worlds, they didn't seek belonging. That is such a great mindset, you know, because as men, we desire belonging. We want to belong to hierarchy, achieving great things. We want to contribute our gift to great men, achieving great things. And it isn't, it isn't found by running after, you know, what we think everyone else needs us to do. It, it's found by being like, I am a great man. I am God's image. I am his son. I have got a gift that makes room for me. My gift makes room for me. And from that place, I can give that gift, but it's out of my choice. It's not out of desperation. So good. Belonging was the marker, DVG, belonging was the marker of high status for women. Creation and productivity and friendship were markers of high status for men. Nowadays, as institutions become matriarchal, belonging is the new marker for men too. Yeah. This makes men struggle to know how to create and negotiate their value because they are too scared of being kicked out because of complaining emails or online criticism. Yeah. You know, it's really good. It's, it's, it's a good way of putting it, you know, belonging versus productivity. And men, as men, we find belonging through productivity, but we're, we're busy trying to chase belonging rather than chasing productivity and, and uh, getting into our flow and, and contribution. It's really good. So um, just wanted to get in here with uh, something that the Donald said in The Art of the Deal, which is a phenomenal uh, book on, on king energy. He says, if you allow someone to steal your chickens, frankly, if you allow someone to steal your chickens, don't be surprised when they rape your daughters. And what he's, he's getting at there is what you allow, what you accept will continue in greater measure, in, in increasing measure. And so for us as men, you know, one of the, one of, of the ways this shows up is, is politically. No one ever stops the chicken thief. No one ever stops the little things because it's like, oh, okay, just, just, just forgive just this once. Okay. It's just this once. And then it's the next thing. Okay. Just this once. And then it's the next thing. Okay. Just, and then it's a monster and now we're afraid. And so how do we stop this? Right. It, it's the bully thing, right? If it's that whole thing of you fight a bully once you might get beaten up, but then he'll move on to easier pickings. And so as men, we have to learn to get over the fear of making a demand the fear of making perhaps a confrontation, you know, and, and like even today, you know, someone butted in, in front of me in, in a line um, to get to an, into an office and, you know, the, the immediate response is, oh, it's okay, just be a Christian, just, you know, let them, don't cause a scene, all this stuff. But it's like, it's for us to get to this place of like, okay, like course correction, next time this happens is to say, excuse me, sir, uh, there is a line. And that, that's uncomfortable, right? Because the, the, the programming is don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. It's like we need to learn to start making a scene. Not unwisely, not stupidly, not dick douchely. 
we can be very respectable, very low key, but make a demand, make a counter demand. Um, and so a really great um, testimony of this as well is like buying land, right? So we, we bought a piece of land and um, the price for it was $37,000 is what it was listed for. And so the principled, kind, Christian, conservative boy comes along and says, oh, 37000 uh, yes, yes. Um, well, I'll pay you 38000 and that way you'll like me. And there's no demand making. There's no offer making. Uh, Donald says in the art of the deal, make demands that make you uncomfortable. And then you can negotiate back from there. And so, you know, my wife and I were like, because so we're like, let's offer 30 grand. And it's like, that's uncomfortable. Like, are we disrespecting them? Are they just going to flat out say, no, we're not even talking to you. You've lost the opportunity to bid on this pro on this property. You know, these are all the things going around your head. Like, is the real estate agent going to think I'm a douche? Uh, it, you know, all these thoughts are going around in your head because we, we are not used to making demands or, or even offers, uncomfortable offers. So we offered 30, uh, 32, I think it was, or 30. And they came back with like 32 or 34 grand. So like, like, and I was like, sweet, like, that's amazing. And, and we so often don't understand the willingness of other people to negotiate and meet in the middle. Right. And that's our Overton window. That's our, our cultural uh, zeitgeist. It's negotiated, right? Because all of us, all of us conservative Christians, we want family values. We want a page out of the Quran when it comes to sexual deviancy. We want um, wholesome law and order, peace, uh, you know, nice cities, nice places for our children to, to all play together on, on the street. And instead, the offer given to us is rampant degeneracy in the schools, rampant degeneracy on TV. And our counteroffer is keep quiet and watch. Keep quiet and send our kids. Keep quiet and pay the money. Keep quiet and buy the products. Keep quiet and, you know, and or, or complain or criticize or, oh, it's so hypocritical. But there's never a counter demand. We never chimp out in the streets and burn cars. That's a demand. These guys are, what's happening right now with all the chimp out is they're making a demand. They're demanding that these people get these white police officers get fired and arrested. They're demanding reparations. They're demanding the defunding of police. They're demanding that policing and law standards don't apply to their community. So that's the other thing with, with demand making. It kind of requires a, an in-group wall protection, right? A, that's where, that's where um, co-op cooperatives come in buying groups, right? Of, hey guys, if we all pool our power status value together, we have a bigger voice. We have a bigger negotiating chip, you know? And so that's for, for us as, as men, you know, we, it's, it's the ability to say no on a societal scale uh, comes with, with us actually finding other guys to be like, Hey man, if I say, no, you know, it's that classic one. I don't know if you ever saw that video that went around, <clears throat> of that, that parent teacher, that parent teachers meeting. And that Mexican dad is standing up with a microphone saying like, Oh, my son is getting bullied and it's terrible. And so the one dad is sitting there all based and he's like, then why don't you go back to Mexico? And all the ladies are like, <gasps> you know, the, the collective air was sucked. The collective feeling of a million souls was sucked out of the room, but then they all ganged the, the based father and like basically booed him out of there. But it's like, what if he had gone with three other base dads? You know, what if, if he had met 10 base dads and said, hey, we're going to go to this meeting and say no to everything? You know, if 10 men had all been like, no, 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 he's right. Like, no more of this grievance crap. If you hear, you love it. If you hear, you, you, you assimilate. If you hear, you, you do what, what we need to do. There's no grievance victim crap here. And then all the women would be like, oh, there's 10 strong men. There's three, three strong four strong men would have done it, you know, because there is power. A cord of three is not easily broken, you know, where two or more are gathered. So there too is the power of the Lord. All righty. Where are we? <clears throat> Rob, honor is a zero sum game. If someone strips your honor from you, you must 
take it back. That's the, you know, this whole thing of keeping quiet. It's very interesting. This, this, we, again, it's, it's what we're saying, dual, dual codes of honor, right? In the Anglo, in the Anglo in-group code of honor, if I keep, if someone slanders me and I keep quiet and do my thing, it's a very honorable thing, right? To, to overlook an offense because in the Anglo system, all the men who know me are now going to go and sort that guy out, right? So I'm not going to take blood on my own hands and fight back. And because it's that whole thing of the lady doth protest too much. In, in Anglo uh, culture, if I protest, it means I'm guilty, right? Because, oh, oh no, 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 no. It's like, oh, guilty. So in Anglo culture, we keep quiet when we're criticized. We keep quiet when we're slandered because we know that, no, like my my community will will tell the truth and they know me and 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 in Anglo community it's the whole thing of don't uh, don't judge a matter until you've heard both sides but the duality of this of the outgroup the outgroup doesn't care the out there is no more Anglo common law common culture uh, you know honor amongst gentlemen and so now it's at this place of like all right we need to be wise Dio Vindici God does vindicate but there's also no problem telling your side negotiating back, uh, making demands. You know, I often, often think, here goes my survivor analogy again. But survivor, it's so easy when, when you see the guys who come into the game trying to play with integrity, trying to play the moral game, right? So you'll often get one guy who comes into the game, he's like, I'm, I'm going to win survivor without lying, without backstabbing. Uh, and so what happens is you get, everyone else is like, hey, did you hear that Scott said this about you and he wants to vote you out? And then all the other guys are slandering and blah, 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 blah. And I've got a target on my back. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm the moral guy. So I'm, I, I haven't done anything bad. It's like, no, you have, to be, you have to be talking and managing your alliance and managing your people. Because people's minds nowadays, critical thinking has been so shot in our culture. So now it's this point of like, okay, I need to go touch base with all my people. It's like, hey, man, we're good. It's like, yeah, we're good. Okay. So, so it's all it took. Right. But instead we passive and we sit back and we're like, oh no, they could never vote me out. I'm a nice guy. I'm the nice guy. And it's like, no, you've been lied and slandered about. You need to go touch base with people. You know, it's that whole thing that Donald says of, of bad publicity is great because it sends people to you, but then you don't keep quiet. You then set your vision. You, you're like, oh, there's a scandal about me. Great. S Google my name and it's going to take you to my homepage with my vision. And it's like, oh, this guy's a bigot. He's terrible. And it's like, oh yeah, uh, you want to hear my bigoted views? And then they're like, oh, here comes a scoop. Give him the microphone. And it's like, great. Now I can tell you my vision. Now I can tell you. So we have to be, we have to be able to articulate when, when we are, you know, that's it. Immediately we get this thing of like, oh, just keep quiet and disappear. Go hide under a rock and wait for the news storm to pass. And it's like, guys, you're wasting a wonderful opportunity uh, to make counter demands, to make counter offers, to make counter accusations. And I'm not saying go and lie and slander and stoop down to the enemy's tactics. I'm saying make, we are so guiltless and shameless and free that it's like, turn all your spotlights on me. Turn all of your attack dogs on me because what you're going to find is going to attract more people to our cause, more people to whatever it is that, that we're going after, whatever we're building. <clears throat> things like jujitsu are perfect for helping men gain confidence with confrontation. Yeah. You know, and that's it as well. It's like the bro science guys are right. Like being jacked and being able to, to handle your body. It's great. Uh, DBG, it's because we often only saw confrontation from female models, often our shoeish mothers. Yep. Uh, Rob, when negotiating, always remember that the treasure you leave on the table is lost to your family and goes to the other party. Yeah. And that's it chaps. You know, we, we have to, we have to have, skin in the game, skin on the table, treasure on the table, you know? So, so when, you know, when, when all these people are rioting, uh, in the streets and stuff, it is easy to laugh at Wisconsin. It's easy to laugh at Detroit or, or Baltimore or New York or Los Angeles, because we don't feel like we have much skin in the game. But when it comes to our town or our city, and it's like, how would I react? You know, how would I react? Would I board up my shop and leave? It's like, no, we're going to apply pressure. 
on the sheriff. We're going to apply pressure on the cops. We're going to apply pressure on the mayor. We're going to apply pressure on the media. And we're going to we're going to hit hard on this thing of you're being a bunch of grievance peddlers who are totally in the wrong. And we're going to we're not going to keep quiet about it. We're going to go hard. And even there, like making making extreme demands, you know, making extreme and uncomfortable demands on, on the enemy. Andrew Quinn, yeah, Rob agreed a lot of material arts, martial arts and fighting, giving men humility and confidence at the same time. Yeah, DVG, we rarely saw healthy confrontation amongst men in male spaces, whether diplomacy or war. Yeah, Rob, manners exist when the threat of violence exists. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the thing they, they say, you know, is a man, is a man a peaceful man if he doesn't have a weapon or, or ability to be violent? You know, so for instance, me not fighting Conor McGregor Oh, that's it. If Conor McGregor comes and steals my chicken, me not fighting him is not me being a peaceful, moral man. It's me being scared of getting my ass kicked. But now if I have a gun and Conor McGregor comes and steals my chicken, now I can be a man of peace and say, put the chicken down and get out of here. And even me shooting him, if he decides to then fight, is an act of peace. I, as a man bearing the sword and bringing peace on our community, so that Conor McGregor doesn't steal any more chickens in our lovely community. Conor McGregor, please don't come to my house. <clears throat> yeah, alrighty, chaps. I think that was a good little a good little session today. So just to 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 wrap up on that, we're valuable identity, right? All value comes from identity. It's that whole thing of of a king confers value on his people in place. David in the desert. The desert is a is a it's nothing, no value there. It's, it's negative value. Uh, he was kicked out of the palace, the valuable place, to go to the desert. He was rejected by the beautiful people and the high status people to go and be the captain of a bunch of misfit and, and societal rejects, you know? So he had low value people, low value place, but his kingship determined the value of those people. And, you know, so, so life is a negotiation. Value is not set. Uh, it's all about demand making and it's okay to make demands. It's okay uh, to gatekeep, to, to have your walls around what is valuable in your life. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening further and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.